Good morning and welcome. Thank you for being with us. My name's Craig. I'm the senior pastor here, and it is our privilege to have you as we've come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in the book of Ruth. And if you are like so many folks here that didn't grow up in the church or maybe haven't been involved in the church for a long time, I say Ruth and your eyes get a little bit big in the back of your, in, in your head. That's okay. It's okay if you don't know where it is. I want to encourage you. Feel free to use that, that table of contents in your Bible, but I also want to help you. Uh, Ruth is in the Old Testament. It's sort of near the front. So you've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So there's five. And then Judges is the sixth book, and the seventh book is the book of Ruth. So um, you can run right past it if you're not careful. It's only four chapters long. We just finished our sermon series in the Ten Commandments, and we're going to spend Advent, and Advent is just the Christmas season. It means coming, or um, uh, so uh, we're going to spend this Christmas season in the book of Ruth. While you're turning there, let me give you just a few announcements so I can give you plenty of time to find it since it's a little bit difficult to get to. Uh, this is the season when we collect our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. The, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to support missions uh, primarily around the world, so I would encourage you to prayerfully consider giving above and beyond your tithe to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. This year, our church goal is $25,000. This afternoon at four o'clock, I have a next steps class. If you've been visiting with us once or twice or 37 times, I would love to invite you. If you have questions about what it might look like to be a member at Malvern Hill, there's no commitment other than just to show up. So I'll meet you right in here at four o'clock this afternoon for that. And then finally, uh, the weather has shifted far beyond what we were anticipating. We've got a, a movie night that's been scheduled for families in our church and our community that is tonight right here on the church grounds. And it looks like we'll be able to do that outdoors. So I do hope that you'll plan to be here there will be popcorn and movie and s'mores so y'all make sure and be a part of that this evening okay hopefully by now we've given you plenty of time to find the book of Ruth so I'm going to ask you to stand in honor of God's word and I'm going to read to you Ruth chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 and then we're going to jump over to verse 16 and finish out the chapter I gave y'all time to find it and I didn't turn to it myself so now y'all are waiting on me I apologize Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. This is God's word, so pay attention. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land, and a man of Bethlehem and Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, the name of his wife Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in Judah. They went into the country of Moab and remained there, but Elimelech, the husband of Naomi died, and she was left with her two sons. These took Moabite wives. The name of the one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. They lived there about 10 years, and both Malon and Chilion died, so that the woman was left without her two sons and her husband. And then in verse 16. Um, so let me give you the, the, the Cliff's notes. What happens is they die, um, and she is left there with her two daughters-in-law, uh, Orpah and Ruth. And so we get to Orpah saying that she, so Naomi says, y'all go home. And Orpah says, I will. And this is Ruth's response. Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. 
And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Let's pray together. Father God, I pray that this word would come alive to us this morning. And just as we see the struggle in the lives of these women I pray, Lord God, that we might be able to recognize that you are with us in the middle of our struggles as well. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Where's God in difficult days? Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I lose something, I struggle to find it. I asked Angela, I said, honey, if, if I were to die, or excuse me, if you were to die, would you want me to find another wife? She said, honey, you can't find anything, so I'm not worried about it. <laughs> it's been said that nothing is truly lost until your wife can't find it. And that seems to be true in my house, though I do accuse Angela occasionally of hiding things from me just so she can find them and pretend to be the hero. Some of you know what it's like to lose something. And when we do, it's usually best to do what? To go back to the last place you remember having it, isn't it? And, and, and retrace your steps. So I begin there and I work my way out. Some of you this morning may feel even as though you've lost the Lord. Or you've lost fellowship with the Lord. You've lost that close fellowship you once had. If you find yourself feeling this morning as though you've lost touch with the Lord, it it might be wise to run back to the last place you remember having close fellowship with him. It might be wise as we begin Advent to remember we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. That's another name for Jesus. If, if you can't find the Lord, it's, it's not because he moved. If you can't find that fellowship with the Lord, you might need to look in the mirror and consider how far you may have Straight. Now look, we're wrestling with this question this morning, where's God in difficult days? And I want to be honest about the fact there are really difficult days in this world in which we live, aren't there? In our own church, some of you know that you've lost uh, a friend, one of our longtime members, Miss Frances Griswold, passed away just this weekend. Um, so some of you know what it's like to have lost a friend. We had some folks here who've lost family members in recent days. We know what it's like to have hardship and struggle. We know what it's like to suffer at times but I want you to know that even in the middle of that suffering even in the middle of that struggle and that hardship God has not left you as a matter of fact his promise is that he would never leave nor forsake but what should you do when you find yourself in the middle of one of those difficult places the first thing this morning I want to encourage you to do is this don't move too quickly don't move too quickly be careful that you do not run from God's purposes. Now, the, we, Naomi and Elimelech, they're the first two characters in this story. And the Bible says that they lived during the time of the judges. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Ruth. Interestingly, some scholars speculate that it could have been a woman because all the main characters are women in this story. Um, uh, we, we, we have no earthly idea who wrote the book of Ruth. But we do have a good idea about 
when the story takes place and we know exactly where the story takes place. So we are confident about the setting. And the Bible tells us that it took place in Bethlehem, which is kind of a big deal for a Christmas sermon series, right? A lot that's going to happen here. Uh, but the Bible also tells us that it took place during the time of the judges. Now, remember I said the book of Judges is the book that comes right before the book of Ruth. So as we kind of zoom out, we begin to sort of examine, explore exactly what's happening in the context around this book. We find ourselves in Judges. And if you want to know something about Judges, maybe you don't know much. It's one of the more depressing books in the Bible. It's a difficult read. But it also gives us some of those hero stories that we all know. And maybe you learned as a child the stories of Gideon and Deborah and Samson. Those are stories that are embedded in the book of Judges. Judges. But the theme of Judges is not actually a theme of heroes. The theme of Judges is a theme of everybody doing whatever they wanted to do. If you don't believe me, you can just kind of look right back at the very last verse in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 21 verse 25. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's the 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 story, the epitaph, that's the, the real sad ending to this book. There's no king, there's no rule, nobody is honoring the Lord, nobody's moving in one direction. The Bible warns us in one place where there is no vision, the people perish. Well, here we have the people who are perishing because they are following not after God's vision for their lives, but they're following after their own human intuition. In the particular situation of Naomi and Elimelech, what happens is things begin to get challenging for them. Now, how challenging is it? We know that it's challenging enough that they find themselves in a famine. They're hungry. They have these two sons. They want to raise them. But in the middle of this, you ready? Ruth, excuse me, Naomi and Elimelech do not cling to God's purposes in their life. Naomi and Elimelech are perfect examples of those who lived during the time of the judges. Because a Naomi and a Limelech followed after their own heart and their own desires. They did what was right in their own eyes. Let me hash this out for you a little bit. Y'all, that candle blew out in the first service too. And it just blew out again. I don't know what that says about our Christmas season, but it gives me a little bit of discomfort. Um, great news though. Though the, though, the, though the air conditioning may blow it out, the light will shine in the darkness. The darkness will not overcome it, okay? Um, sorry, the smell of the candle. Let's move on. Um, I have no idea what I was talking about. I got it. Hash it out. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate that. Here in this passage of Scripture, we've got Naomi and Elimelech, okay, experiencing a famine, and when it happens, they pack up and they run to Moab. Now, that might seem to be all right with y'all, but let me give you a little bit more information. Remember, Naomi and Elimelech are Ephrathites, from the, the town of Bethlehem. They've left Bethlehem and they've gone to Moab. Now, Bethlehem is a town inside of Israel, inside of God's promised territory. Not only is Bethlehem a place inside of God's promised territory, the name Bethlehem is, is actually the Hebrew name. This isn't a name we've given it. We've just transliterated that over. And in the Hebrew language, um, Beth, uh, Bethlehem means house of bread. House of bread. So Beth, house, Lechem, that's as good as I can do with my Hebrew. That means bread. So you've got this house of bread. Here's what happens. Naomi and Elimelech get hungry. And in their hunger, they flee from God's storehouse. 
They flee from the place of God's promise. They flee from God's bread house and they run to a foreign country. A foreign country where they served foreign gods and in that place they sought to find blessing away from the presence of God, away from the people of God, away from the place of God. They did what was right in their own eyes. And y'all, we can do the same thing. Because when life begins to get challenging, we can assume that God has walked away and we're all on our own. Listen to me. The presence of difficulty does not mean the absence of God. The presence of difficulty does not mean the absence of God. Just because life got challenging in Bethlehem didn't mean that God had left. And it did not mean that Naomi and Elimelech needed to pack up and seek blessing from another people. Instead, they needed to cling closer to the Lord. Y'all, it can be so tempting for us when life gets hard for us just to do this knee-jerk reaction. Us to re react rather than to respond. And when we choose to react, it looks a whole lot like when the doctor walks in and hands, hits your knee with that little hammer. You know, and you... Involuntary reflex, you just kick somebody if you're not careful. That's a reaction, a response. It's when we take time to consider where we are and what we're doing. When life gets challenging, don't move too quickly. Take a deep breath and consider how God may be at work. Not only do I want you to move too quickly, second thing this morning, I want you to remember how wide God's love is. How many of y'all can remember being a child and something didn't go your way and you got disciplined or perhaps you just didn't get what you wanted and you had enough gall to look at one of your parents and say well you just don't love me some of y'all are still picking up like parts of your face off the ground from where your mama got a hold of you in that moment but some of us have been there and then you become a parent and your kid says something like that and you recognize the absolute absurdity of the situation right oh yeah I didn't give you that one thing so I don't love you uh, I, I literally have given you life and breath and everything, but all of a sudden, in this one moment, I don't love you. Y'all, it can be so easy for us when life doesn't go the way that we want to just go, well, God just doesn't love me. Where is God? God has forgotten me. God is nowhere around. Y'all, God's love is wider than your present circumstances. God's love is wider than your present circumstances. Consider God's love to Naomi. She says, I went away full and I've come back bitter. Where is God? What has God done to me? God's love is so much bigger. Look at God's love to give her, you ready? A daughter-in-law who doesn't walk away from her when life gets challenging. Consider that. Consider the love of God to bless Naomi with this woman who loves her this way. Look at what Ruth says to Naomi in chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. She says to her, don't make me leave, right? Uh, then we go, for where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. This is the commitment that she makes. Side note, don't ever take this verse out of context and use it in a wedding. That's just weird. Any of y'all ever seen that used in a wedding and like the bride and the groom, they say this to one another. Ladies, if you use this in the wedding, just remember, this is what some woman is saying to her mother-in-law after her husband died. You don't want that in your wedding. Like most of y'all are like, hey, mother-in-law, it's good to see you. But Ruth's like, I want to live with you all the time and be all around. If that's what you want, then work that into your vows. Otherwise, I would encourage you to go to like 1 Corinthians 13 or something, okay? Be careful. Be careful. But this is the commitment. 
This is, this is Ruth's love towards her. This is God's grace and kindness towards Naomi to give her this kind of love. This is not required of Ruth. This is not even expected of Ruth, and yet God blesses her this way. Remember how wide God's love is. We tend to get so narrowly focused on the one thing that didn't go my way and miss out on all the other myriad ways that God has blessed us. God's love is wide. But not only is God's love wide to bless us, God's love is so wide and powerful that God can even use your sins and your mistakes for your good and for his glory. God can even use your sins and your mistakes. Now look, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3. We've just spent time in the Ten Commandments. And so in the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy, especially in Deuteronomy and Leviticus, we get all these stories, all these, these laws that God has given to Israel. In Deuteronomy 7, 3, one of the commandments that God gives to Israel is that when you go in and you take possession of the promised land, do not give your sons and your daughters in marriage to these foreign people. Because if you do, they will draw them away into worship of their foreign gods. This is the command that God gives. Now, consider the ways that Naomi and Elimelech have sinned against the Lord. They have said, Lord, we don't trust your provision for us in your bread house, and so we are going to leave and go and sojourn in a foreign country. We're going to look for blessing from a foreign God who will fill our bellies. As if that weren't enough, when the time comes that their sons are of marrying age, they then, they then give their sons in marriage to these foreign women. Uh, Naomi and Elimelech are completely ignoring God's commands for their lives and instead are pursuing their own sinful desires. They are acting in accordance with what they want. They are, again, an epitome, a picture of what's happening in the book of Judges. They're doing exactly what's right in their own eyes. And yet in the middle of that, God takes their sinful decisions and does something pretty incredible. If you were to turn to the book of Matthew chapter 1. You're going to find something there. You don't have to do that right now. I'm going to tell you what's in there. The book of Matthew chapter 1, there's this genealogy. Now, you don't know what genealogies are all about, but here's what happens. Matthew's in the New Testament, and Matthew is one of the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the four gospels tell us the story of Jesus. And in Matthew's genealogy, or in Matthew's introduction to his book in chapter 1, he gives us a genealogy of Jesus. And so he gives us this family tree. And in the family tree of Jesus, there is a few things that stand out, but two in particular, because there are two women included in Jesus's family tree in the book of Matthew. Now, it would have been uncommon for women to have been included in family trees in that period anyway. But it gets even crazier because the two women that are included in Jesus' family tree is a woman named Rahab and a woman named Ruth. Both of those women are Gentile women. They are both women who are not a part of God's people. They're, they're, they're women who have been grafted in. In addition, Rahab is a prostitute. These are women with messed up backgrounds. These are women who become a part of God's family because of the sins of others. Ruth becomes a part of God's people because of the sins of Naomi and Elimelech and their sons. And yet, God can still take those sinful decisions and weave them together for good to show us his great love for the world. God can take your mess 
and work it into his plan. I saw it said this way not too long ago that God has incorporated my stupidity into his big plan for my life. And I'm really grateful for that. He knew just exactly how many things I was going to mess up. And he's taken all that into account as he's put together his plan to accomplish his good purposes in the world. This is the wideness and the wonder of God's love. It's powerful and it's strong. Remember when life gets hard that God loves that way. And a God who loves that way and that well is a God that can love you even in the middle of your mess. Remember his love. Third, this morning, don't play the blame game. Look, Ruth, not Ruth, Naomi levies four specific complaints against the Lord. So she gets back, she walks into town, and people go, oh, is that, could it be Naomi? Now, some of the commentators, I appreciate this, you can almost hear in those words you can almost hear the emotion 10 years she's been gone 10 years later this woman who left with a husband and her sons has come back widowed and having lost her sons and they go, could it be Naomi well Naomi's response immediately is don't call me Naomi which means blessed instead call me Mara a lot of bitterness because that's exactly what Mara means but then she levies four specific complaints against the Lord. First thing he says is, first thing she says is, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. That's number two. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? That's number three. And number four, the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. Naomi shows back up and Naomi says, look at all that God has done to me. Don't play the blame game when life gets difficult. You know, Naomi never acknowledges that she may have had some fault in all of these things. Naomi never says, I wandered away from God's plan for my life and life got worse. Now look, just because life gets hard doesn't mean that we don't bear some degree of responsibility in the things that happen. We've got to be willing to accept responsibility for, for our part We've got to do that. We have to accept it. And Naomi had some responsibility. She fled from God's presence and ignored God's commands. And then when all of that happened, she even began to twist the story. How many of y'all know what it's like for your memory to get a little bit shady for you when life gets challenging? It's interesting. There's this wordplay that happens right there in the book of Ruth where she says, I went away full and I've come back empty. Well, did she really? Like the Bible teaches us that she left hungry, seeking food. Certainly, relationally, she was more full than she was when she was left. She didn't leave full of God's Holy Spirit. She didn't leave full uh, in her stomach. She left hungry, and when she came back, she was hungry in a different way. But she doesn't want to acknowledge that she left. She sort of leaves it open-ended, like somehow or other God drove her away and then did all these things to her. Y'all, listen to me. It's not always all your fault, but it's almost never none your fault when life starts to go wrong in your life. Okay? We need to be willing to look in the mirror and say, these are the things that I have done. God, help me. Not only that, we need to accept responsibility. We need to accept comfort. How many of you have ever tried to comfort somebody in the middle of their difficulty and they just looked at you and said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara because I'm bitter. 
great friends, right? We'd love to have you over for dinner. I know you've had a tough time. Don't invite me for dinner. I'm never eating again. I mean, it's like, what? Some of y'all aren't laughing because it hit too close to home. Quit being a jerk, right? Call your mom and tell her you're sorry. But we've all been there, haven't we? We've either been the person who said those sort of mean-spirited things or, 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 or we, have, we have been the person who received those sort of mean-spirited things. Y'all, when we find ourselves in a difficult place, stop trying to drive everybody off. Remember, it's part of God's blessing and love in your life that you have relationships anyway. And if God sends them to you, for goodness sakes, don't look at them and say, just leave me alone. Well, I don't want to... And, and don't, don't play that weird game. Like, are you okay? Well, I, I don't know. I don't, just How about when folks show up, just say thank you for being here. How about when people want to meet you in your hardship, rather than being prideful, you just say thank you. This is Naomi who's still trying to cling to her pride. I'm still in control. She comes back a broken woman. And rather than saying, I am broken and I need you people, you call me bitter because God has done all of these things. She's still trying to keep all these people at arm's length. Well, she's being successful at it, but what is she doing in the process? Robbing herself of the blessing of relationships that God's giving to her. Y'all, when life gets hard, when difficult things come your way, don't play the blame game. Don't blame God. Don't blame others. Be willing to accept responsibility and then accept the comfort that God gives you and celebrate it. And then finally this morning, I just want to remind you, because I've been beating you up, you can always come home. You can always come home. One of my favorite things about the Christmas season Thanksgiving and Christmas as our college kids come home. I'm a couple years away from my own kids coming home. But I love it when our college kids come home. And by home, I mean they show up here. I, 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 this is one of the things I don't like about our move to two services is that they, they come in different times. But our college kids are always fun. Some of them have gone off to school and they've lived for Jesus for the last six months and they just sort of bound into the doors of the church and it's like, hey, I'm here and I've been growing in the Lord and we're so excited to see them. There's some of our college kids, they come back and the truth of the matter is they left and they wandered in a far land while they were going off in college. And they sort of crack the door a little bit and they wonder whether or not they're actually going to be welcome. They want to make sure nothing's going to catch on fire when they walk in because of the decisions they've made. But then there are others who show up and they're beat up because they know exactly what they've done. And they sort of limp into this place. But here's what I love. Whether they have been living for Jesus for the last six months or they have been wandering in a far land as the prodigal son for the last six months, here's what I know. They know they can come home. They still find themselves wandering into the doors of this place, sliding into a pew or a seat, and listening to the word of God wash over them. Occasionally they show up in the middle of the week and they crack the door and they say, Pastor Craig, can I talk to you? A lot of times they come and they say, I'll get this text, can we go to lunch? I always know what that means. Number one, it means they're a poor college student and they don't want to pay for their own food. All right. The other thing that it usually means is they got something they want to talk about and they're not exactly sure how to do it and they're hoping that if we can get our mouths full of Mexican food or something like that, it'll come out easier. 
Y'all, I want you to know that just as those kids are always welcome, you can always go home. You can always go home. When Naomi found herself at the end of her rope, she went home. Even when she got there, she didn't behave as she should have, but she still got to go home. Why? Because the God who made his home among his people is always willing to welcome his people back home. At Christmas, we celebrate this Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. In John 1, we are reminded that this Jesus made his residence among us. And if he will make his home among his people, he is willing to have his people in his home. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And that is as true on the back end of our prodigal wandering as it is on the day that we give our lives to him in salvation. You can always come home. You say, Craig, I don't know what happens when I get home. Well, first of all, I want you to know you can come home here. You can come home here. And we will welcome you with open arms. But if you're curious about exactly how the Lord may respond when you come home, can I remind you of the story of the prodigal son? The young man who wandered in a far land, wasting his inheritance, only to show up destitute and dirty. And in that moment to see his father looking out for him and running out to meet him, putting a new robe around his shoulders and a new ring on his neck, preparing a feast in his honor. My son was lost and he is found. He was dead and is alive. He is home. Where is God in difficult days? Where can you find him? at the risk of being a little theologically cloudy. He is right where you left him. He is right where you left him. He didn't move. He didn't leave. He didn't change address. He's there. And he's ready and he's waiting. Here at Christmas, many of you will go home. For some of you, you will travel distances. For some of you, you'll just ride just down the street. But many of you will go home. And it'll be great. Maybe your mom will fix your favorite thing or your grandma. But whatever it is, you'll go home. And you'll find that no matter what's happened the rest of the year, you can still come home. Well, how much more true is that? For those of us who are followers of Jesus, in the middle of your difficult days, the door is always open. I want to invite you this morning to come home. I, I say that a lot, and it becomes a little bit cliche, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. Jesus said, as he was going away to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you that where, that, that where I am you may be also. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you? I go to prepare a place. Remember, I told you that Bethlehem 
is the house of bread, Beth Lechem. When Jesus spoke to his disciples, what he would have said to them is, I'm going to the Beit Ab, the house of my father. And in that place, there is room for you. There was room for Naomi and Ruth in Bethlehem. Many years later, there would be room for the Son of God to be born in Bethlehem. And because of that birth and life and death, there is room in the Father's house for you and for me. Some of you are going through difficult days, and I know that. I don't even know what all of those difficulties may be. You say, Craig, you don't understand. I might not. I may not. But God does. And he's promised to never leave and never forsake. He is God with us. And in the middle of your darkness and your hardship and your challenge, he promises to be the Prince of Peace. He's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. He's Jesus Christ who was born of a virgin, lived 33 years of sinless perfection and died on a cruel cross and then rose from the grave so that you and I might have an eternal home where we could go with him. So this morning, my invitation to you is simple. Would you draw near to the Lord today? Would you come home? Would you be willing to trust him to fill up all the broken places? If you're hungry today, would you stop wandering in a far land and would you instead come back to God's promised places and find satisfaction in the Lord? As we sing this morning, I would be honored to pray with you. I would be thrilled to introduce you to my Jesus. As we sing this morning, you are invited to come and pray or to worship right where we are. But as we sing, I urge you this morning, don't leave here without, without allowing the Lord to do work in your life. Did you come in broken and hurt? You can leave full. Naomi said, I left full and I've come back empty. Many of you have wandered in empty, but you can leave today full. Would you allow God to work as we sing? Would you stand with me as I pray for you? Father God, I pray that you'd be at work here among these people. I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would move among us. That, Father God, you would show us our sin and our Savior. God, lead us closer to you. Bring us home. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing with us this morning.